Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. All right, if you have your Bible with you, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. If you don't have it, it will be on the screen. All right, beginning in verse 3, Jesus is telling the story. He says, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed, and as he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came, and they ate it. Now other seed, it fell on a shallow soil, and underneath the, the, fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was so shallow. But the, the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed, it fell among thorns, and it grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still, other seeds, it fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said this, anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Anybody who has ears to hear should listen and understand. You could have some ears, but not be listening. Come on. I got ears, but I, no, no, you heard me, but you weren't listening. Jesus said, come on, listen closely. Listen closely. And, and, and then it goes on, and the disciples actually ask him, hey, Jesus, you told the story. We need to know what you were talking about because we have the ears, but we didn't quite understand it. So then in verse 13, it says this, and Jesus says to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables? In other words, there's more coming. I'm going to use a lot more stories, a lot more illustrations, and you've got to get this one. So let me tell you about it. The farmer, he plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come and take it. So Satan in the story is that bird. Satan is the bird. Just like those birds at the beach, you know. You know. We'll get back to that later. I'll get that. Uh, he came quickly and he took it away and he snatched it out of the child's hand as he was trying to play in the sand. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, and immediately they receive it with joy. But since they don't have any deep roots, they just don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns, now it represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So what? It produces no fruit. And the seed that fell on the good soil, well, it represents those who hear and accept God's word, and they do this, they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. 
So here it is. Jesus telling these stories. He tells it to the group, and then he explains it in great detail to the disciples when he's alone with them. And he says it's like, you got to understand, to understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. This is a very important story that I'm telling. As a matter of fact, if you can't get this one, this one is kind of the baseline for understanding a lot of the other stories I'm getting ready to tell you. So, so you got to understand. If you can't understand the meaning of this one, how will you understand the meaning of all of the others? Here's the thing. Even when you think you got it figured out, there's more. Because this is the mystery of the kingdom, the mystery of this parable. It's funny how Jesus uses this phrase a few different times that, uh, what is the kingdom? How should I liken it? In other words, he's kind of asking these questions to himself. Not that he doesn't know the answer, but like, let me tell you a story and let me describe something in such a way to help you understand what can I use, what illustration can I use to describe the kingdom of God because there's the mystery of the kingdom that's being revealed to you right now. Um, it was either this week or last week. My daughter came home from school and right when they get home from school, it's homework time. So... Um, I have learned that I have now graduated to fifth grade math. It's been a process. You know, I think after you graduate college, you just, like, I've peaked at learning downhill for the next 30 years. And so I'm relearning math and this whole common core thing. Let's do things the extra hard way. Okay, anyway, that's a whole other sermon. And um, so I, I'm learning this math, and then, my daughter comes home, and, and Devin will do the English because I can't spell, and they will fail if I try to help them with English and spelling, but I'll help with the math. And so Kobe comes home and says, Dad, uh, what, are you, what, um, what are you learning, Kobe, for math this week? And say, oh, we're learning volumes. I'm like, okay, volumes is cool. And she says, but Dad, I got this. No worries. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just length times width times depth. Like, uh, okay. And she starts pulling it out, and there's squares and there's rectangles. And then she's just like, I got this. This is so easy. It's like, well, what happens when those shapes turn into different shapes? What about a star or a circle? Can you tell me the volume of that? Like, and then she just like got real quiet. Dad, stop doing that. I was like, yeah, it starts out real easy. It starts out the length and the width and the depth. But then there's all of these things. There's this mystery, and it gets really interesting. It gets a little bit harder and it's kind of like these parables. And it reminded me where the Apostle Paul said, listen, who can calculate the volume? And really what he's saying, the length, the width, the depth of the love of Christ. Tell me how you calculate that math problem. His length, his width, his depth, the love of Christ. Because there's some odd shapes in this kingdom. There's some odd shapes. There's some things that God does. And that's why there's this mystery of the kingdom of what can I like it to so the question is mine as Jesus tells these stories, well, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? When I say that, what comes into your mind? Uh, I, the first thing that kind of pops in my mind, honestly, is the, uh, the movie Braveheart. You know, I think of the medieval times, and I think of England, and I think of the dark ages, and I think of kings and thrones and wars and kings uh, trying to establish borders around their land, and you step from one side to the other side, and now you are in the kingdom of England, in the kingdom of whoever's realm it may be. And, and I, and I kind of realized for the most part, sometimes the idea of kingdom can center around geography, we can use geography as a center for what we think something is, the borders of America, of Europe, of Africa. 
And then within those borders, there's always a king, a king who is supposed to serve those people inside of his realm, and then you pay a whole lot of taxes. That seems to be sometimes the overwhelming, art, the overwhelming idea of what a kingdom is, the borders of a kingdom, and then the people with inside those king, a king that rules on a certain throne. The problem with this type of thinking is that we apply it to the kingdom of God and we shrink God's kingdom down into a manageable field. We apply borders to what we say, this is what's God's and this is what's not God's, and this is the border and these are the people of God and this is where his throne is and this is where it lies and, and as Christians, this is how we pay our taxes and make God happy. Let me read you a few different verses where it speaks of the kingdom of God. Psalms 145, 13 says this. The psalmist writes, the kingdom is the everlasting one. In other words, when one thing happens, it doesn't change to another. It's the everlasting one. And one, your dominion rules throughout all generations. I love how the psalmist just breaks down the borders of geography, and he breaks down the borders of just people groups. An everlasting dominion that will rule throughout all generations. Psalms 103, 19 says this. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules all. So there's this throne, it's established in the heavens, but it's not limited by the boundaries of just heaven. It rules over everything, heaven and earth, and it's everlasting, and it's eternal. And Romans 14 says this, the kingdom of God, which is not in eating and drinking, that is in rituals or performance, but rather in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Luke 17 says this, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. See, it establishes the, the breaking down of geography, the, the breaking down of certain people groups. It's established that, listen, it is God's rule and reign and power and authority over all things. All things. I like how George Ladd in his book, The Kingdom of God, says it like this. The kingdom of God, it is reign over all things, his kingship, his rule, his authority. To put it another way, it's a really big field. It's a really big field. And we like to shorten that field. And the parable starts, listen, there's this farmer, and he scatters this, this seed across his field, his field, the heavens, the earth. Now, later on, we read that there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's the thing, that day isn't right now. The kingdom of God is here, and it's among us, and yet it's coming. That's the mystery of this kingdom, that it's here and now, and it's yet on its way. And there is this day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, but right now there's people, well, they don't confess, and they do not bow, and they have their own little kingdom, right? And we were one of those people at one point in time before we knew Christ. Here's what's important about that. Not confessing him as Christ doesn't make him any less Christ. That's huge. Not acknowledging his kingship and his lordship and his authority and his reign does not diminish him at all. And the opposite is true. Acknowledging it does not make him any more of a king. He is a king without you. His authority and his rule and his reign is without me whether I confess it or not. 
It is not based upon my actions, my doing. He is God without me. He is God without you. And the mystery is that it's here, it's now, it's coming, and it is eternal. It lasts forever and ever throughout all generations. And Jesus said, if you miss this, how are you going to understand what happens next? If you miss this, if you miss that my control and my rule and my reign has been happening this whole time, you will begin to believe all of these other things are outside of my control. And then you'll try to take control, or you'll think it's all the enemy, or you'll try to blame it on this person or that person or these other circumstances. You not realize I rule over everything, his rule and his reign, because there's more stories to come. There's more parables. There's more illustrations. The kingdom of God, well, it's like this. It's like merchants, and it's like mustard seeds, and it's like little children, and it's like coins, and it's like yeast, and all these things. I'm just trying to get it in you. It's like a, a pearl of great price. Whenever he found it, he went and sold everything he had to get this, this merchant. I think if it was today and Jesus was saying the same parable, he would say, the kingdom of God is like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and when you found that sandwich, you had to go and mortgage your house to buy it. <laughs> but man, if it wasn't the best chicken sandwich ever, the kingdom of Chick-fil-A is violent. And <laughs> the violent take it by force. <laughs> So he starts with a story, and there's this seed, and the seed, he tells us the word of God, and it goes out, and there's this footpath, and there's rocks, and there's weeds, and there's harvest. So I want to go through a few of them real quick, and I'm going to try my best to not preach this to you. I want, you to, I want to teach this to you. I want you to actually learn something this morning, but it's going to take all of the pastoral power in me not to just go into preacher mode, because if you can't preach this text, come on, you got to find. Anyway. So it starts off, there's this footpath, and then it says this bird comes and snatches it up, in which Jesus tells us the bird is Satan. Now, again, re remember when you're at the beach, and you could always spot the tourist, because the tourist thinks it's a good idea to feed the birds. <laughs> oh, they're so beautiful. We don't have these in Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, it's so good. And... They're there, and you're like, okay, you're going to regret this. And the birds are just loving it, and the birds know who the tourists are. And then there's some kid, and it snatches it right out of their hands, right? And we're just like, please don't do that. He's going to poop on you in a minute. It's going to happen. It's just like, this is kind of like the kingdom of God. Seed goes out and gets sown. But here's the thing. Not only does it get snatched, we're offering it up. We're not just saying the, the, the kingdom is coming and the seeds and the word of God get planted to our hearts and soil. We're not just seeing uh, the devil come and snatch it from us. We're offering it up to him. Come and get it. All, all this good, good seed that's been planted, you could have it. And we're just giving it up. Truth is now relative. Here you go. You could have it. Sex, there's no boundaries. Gender, it doesn't matter. We're letting seven-year-olds determine what gender they can be. Seven. I don't trust my seven-year-old with the remote control. You know what I'm saying? Who thinks this is a good idea? We're, we're, we're not just having it snatched. We're offering it up. So the, this is what it's like, and there's this seed that's going out and it's being planted. But before you even got into the parking lot, Satan is going to try and snatch it. Three minutes into it, and all the joy that you just experienced, now hell broke loose, loose in the minivan. And you know what I'm talking about. We've been there. 
And it comes and it snatches. And, and I ask, hey, how's you doing? How, how's it? Oh, we're fine. We're fine. The marriage is fine. And then one day we get a divorce. I'm like, you were fine. You were fine. No, no, no. Like, there was red flags for the last five years. And you just kept offering it up. You kept offering it up. How's things going? Oh, I heard, you know, some financial stress. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, Pastor. We just consolidated all of our loans into one easy payment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then one year later, you're back in the same spot because you never learned the lesson because you just kept offering it up. And by the way, that's a statistical fact. That's what keeps happening. And we keep selling it to people, and it's seeds that are not of God. The word is going out, and Jesus is saying, listen, listen, if you have ears, listen to this. Then he says there's this rock, and the soil looks good, but underneath the soil, there's a whole bunch of rocks. And so you start growing in Christ, and then um, something bad happens. There's persecution. There's trouble. There's heartache. And all of a sudden, what happened to them? Well, because they had no roots. They withered up and died. See, you're real happy. Man, church is good until I tick you off. Until I say something that you don't agree with. Here's the thing, like, if you came to church because of me, you're going to leave church because of me. But if you came to church for Jesus, if you came to church because I came to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I need some help, I need my Savior in my life, I'm not concerned with the color of the carpet. I don't care how loud the music is. I'm just glad that Jesus is in the place. Come on, somebody. I just think it's time that we as a people put some deeper roots down because we're seeing it all over. The second something bad happens, we're questioning our faith as if Jesus is against us. No, no, it's the enemy that is against us. It's the enemy that's trying to snatch the seed. It's the enemy that's doing all these things. And yet, God, why did this happen? Because the kingdom of God is here and yet it's coming. This isn't heaven yet. There's things we got to do. There's pain and there's persecution. This is happening. And you've got to have some deeper roots. I got to tell you, when we first started the church, I wanted to quit every Monday. <laughs> every Monday. God, I'm just not making a difference. Just I don't know why you're even doing this. Every Monday. Like, Lucas, will you just grow some roots already? I still have those days, I ain't gonna lie. There's still a few Mondays where I'm like, Lord, but the roots are getting deeper. And it takes time. It takes getting with God, getting alone with him. You're part of an army. You didn't sign up to come to church on Sundays and feel good for a few minutes and then go home. This is the army of God. We are to get trained and equipped and discipled to be sent out to reach the world for Christ. And, and here's the thing about this army. Oh, the church is just a hospital. No, the church is a battleship with a hospital on board. There is a hospital. We want you to get healed. We want you to get hold. But we're not just healing you for the sake of healing you. We're healing you for the sake of sending you because you're still part of this army. And if things are going to get tough, things will get rough. There are going to be setbacks. Can we handle it? Can we handle it? 
I remember we, we first started the church, and uh, honestly, I, it was really weird because I had, uh, I had a few different pastors ask me the same question. They were talking about uh, beginning churches and starting churches, and they were like, you know, tell me your story. I was like, listen, you don't really want to model my story. I'm like, my story is what not to do. Because my story doesn't begin with, hey, I wanted to plant a really good church and change things. My story was, it was sheer obedience to God, and he told me to do this thing, and I just wanted it to die as quick as possible so I could do something else. So my whole church growth strategy was to try and just kick everybody out the church (laughs) and be the only one left so I could move back to Indonesia. And y'all think I'm joking, but like some of you that were here at the beginning, remember. Like, hey, we're not going to have church at 10 in the morning. We're going to have church at 10 at night. We did that, and like people still showed up. Like, stop showing up, <laughs> please. We gave away all of the money numerous times, thinking like, hey, if we can't pay the rent, <laughs> and then God would like give us money. Like, stop it, God. Like that was my story. Like you had a pastor. Like I wish people would just stop giving. Like when have you ever heard that? But somewhere along the line, God changed my heart, and I said, okay, God, if you want to do something. Let's put these roots down. Let's dig into this thing. I don't want to just appear like good soil on the surface and there be rocky soil underneath. God, let's be the real thing. Next thing, there's these these seeds and they're planted in this soil and it's good, but here's the problem. There's weeds and the weeds are growing up all around it. It says it's being choked out by these weeds, the things of this world. We don't have this problem in America totally foreign idea to us. We love Jesus, but we love our stuff. We love Jesus, but we love our 5,000 Facebook friends and our 20,000 followers and our money in our bank account, and we love the fame and the pats on the back. And let's be honest, some of us just love golf more than we love Jesus. I know, know thy audience. I'm sorry, I still love you. Well, let's be real. Something else is ruling and reigning in your life. You spent your life, I've spent my life, often we're trying to build our own little kingdoms. And it's not just, I'm not just pointing fingers. Yeah, you know, I'm pointing fingers at myself and at pastors too. I've, I've talked to pastors. The problem is you. You're trying to build your own kingdom instead of building the kingdom of God. We're on a team. You care more about your ministry than you do Jesus. It's a problem. The building that we're getting ready to build, let me be very clear, it's nothing without Jesus. If if we don't have Jesus, I don't want it. I don't want it. Jesus, you are the promised land. Has the things and the cares of this world choked the very life out of us? That's the question Jesus is asking. Is there things and weeds that have grown up right beside you and they can look really good. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between uh, the tree and the weed. Sometimes when they grow up right together, I'm not exactly sure. Some of the things look like good things, and they've choked the life out of us. Some of the things that have choked the life out of us is our preferences. Choking the very life out of us because of our political opinion. Choking the very life out of us for our desire for financial independence choking the very life out of us for things that even are good and we desire, but we're putting them before God. Uh, it's funny, y'all are sitting on the front row this morning, Matt and Morgan. If you've heard their story, it's just a great story. They, 
They got married, and then for seven years, seven years, couldn't get pregnant? Seven years, just praying, believing, uh, God, do something, do a miracle. And then God did it. And, and their little girl is five years old right now. She's in the back there hanging out, having a good time. And, and, and what's amazing about the story is uh, Matt tells the story, and, and we celebrate the miracle of what God has done and the life that he's done and Matt and Morgan and this gift of McKinsey. But what really I celebrate is not just that, the fact that five years later, they're still here. Because I've seen time and time again, there's the, there's the thing in our heart that we desire and we wish for and we want, and then God gives it to us, and then we get what we want, and then we're gone. God, you've given me what I want. You gave me the house. You gave me the car. You gave me this. You gave me that. You did a miracle, and I don't need you anymore. So the miracle is whenever we're able to handle what God has prepared for us. And say, so God, I just recognize you in everything. And, 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 and even when there wasn't life, only you could bring this life, and only you could sustain this life. Your rule and your reign and your kingdom in me. See, we hear this parable, and the problem is we hear it, and we automatically assume that we're the good soil. We hear it, and there's the, there's the weeds, and, and, and there's the shallow soil, and there's the enemy snatching things. But me, I am the good soil. Are you? I mean, come on, because if you could understand this, you could understand the other ones. I'm a follower of Jesus. Are we? Because here's the mystery. You're saved, and yet you are being saved. You are healed, and yet you are being healed. It is finished, but it ain't over. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way. You've got to die daily. You've got to die daily. You are still subject to shallow roots. You are still subject to hot suns, and there are still killer birds that want to snatch the word of God from you. All of these things. These are not four different types of independent people, but they are alive within each one of us right now. Right now. The kingdom and the rule and the reign of God, any area in which I have not submitted to his lordship is soil that the enemy is going to do his best to snatch, to burn out, or to choke. Catch that. Any area of your life which you have not submitted to his lordship, his rule, his reign, his authority, is an area in which the enemy is going to try and snatch that seed. There's going to be shallow roots. He's going to burn it out because of the persecutions of life. Or he's going to try and choke it out. And, and, and I just think about this idea of just like choking it out. Of just like taking the very breath from your life. And you look like you're growing. You look like you're alive. But there's no fruit. Lots of leaves, but no fruit. Lots of leaves, but no fruit. Any area in which we have not submitted our lives to the rule and the reign and that his kingdom come. It's this understanding that, God, we need you. This parable, it acts as a compass for everything else. And sometimes I think we've narrowed the field to thinking, well, we're just the good soil. Even if that was true, here's a few things it says about the soil. The kingdom, this harvest, this crop, it doesn't make sense. It produces 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. This is God's kind of soil, and the crop that he produces can't be explained, which leads to the question, can you explain your harvest? Because if you can explain your harvest, it's not the kingdom of God, it's yours. 
If you could explain, well, I worked really hard for 30 years, and I did this, and I did that, and this is why I have this. And, and, and I invested wisely, and I did that, and I, I got this return. Well, I put seven seeds in the ground, and I got seven apples in return. That's not the kingdom of God. That's your kingdom. Because the kingdom of God doesn't do that. It does 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold, and it goes beyond you. See, see, we like to live this life, and we like to say, oh, God, be the glory. But the thing is, it was just you. It, is your life producing a harvest in which you can't explain? In every area. I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about your life. And I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Patience and wisdom and joy and all of these things, all these fruits that are being within us. Well, I just took a seven-week self-help class, and now I've got my anger management under control. Do you, really? Let's put it to the test. I'm talking to a gentleman, and uh, he was telling me the story. He said, you know, I, I was able to make this, I, made, I think it was like a $50,000 investment, and a few years later, I was able to, to sell, and I ended up clearing seven figures. And this was what was amazing. I looked at him and said, uh, you know what? You're not that smart. And to which he looked back at me and said, you're absolutely right. Only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. You're not that smart. You're not that talented. As a matter of fact, the next part of the parable goes on to say this. A farmer put the seed into the ground, and while he slept, and whether he was awake or not, the seed grew. But he doesn't understand how it happened. In other words, can you explain? What? I, don't, I don't know. I just went to sleep. And it just grew. This is the kingdom of God. When things grow inside of you, and I can't even explain how you're doing. The best things in life happen when you learn to rest in him. The best things in life happen when you learn to take that seed of the word of God and let it just rest. Just let it be. I'm just sleeping on this tonight. I'm, just, I'm awakened. I ain't got to do all this. I just, first of all, I'm just a child of being. I was made for, for his, his good pleasure. And, and, and me doing all this stuff doesn't make him any more of a king or any less of a king. I just come in lines with the rhythms of creation, the rhythms of my Father that produce peace and joy. And all of this happens, and this is what the kingdom of, of God is like. Listen, Chick-fil-A isn't Chick-fil-A because they have the perfect grace, Right? People try to imitate it. And if you do A, B, C, and D, and then you'll get these results and it doesn't happen. No, no, no. It's because there's a certain rule and reign in that house. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. You have a house that you shouldn't live in, a car you shouldn't drive, kids you shouldn't parent, a wife that I don't deserve, a church that I don't deserve. It's all the grace and the mercy of our Savior. It's all because of his rule and his reign that he planted seeds. And the matter of fact, you are the outworking of seeds that you didn't even plant. Someone else, they got scattered, and you're the outworking of a prayer that your grandmama prayed. And you think, oh, but look at me. Look at how good I am. <sighs> Take away some of those prayers. Take away some of the shoulders that we all stand on because of his grace and his mercy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in, is in heaven. And you know, we are the only thing in all of creation that can tell God no. Everything else, absolutely, yes, sir. 
And we were like, nah, I'll do it my way. How he hasn't just like killed us like right now, I don't, <laughs> grace, grace, I don't know how it happened. It's the power of the word of God. The temptation is try to make it into our own little kingdom where we rule and we reign. And every time we make a kingdom in which we, we rule and we reign, it's always based upon geography and people. We set up our own little thrones, and so no longer there's a throne in which he reigns on, there's a throne in which we reign on, and we've shortened the field, and we call it his, but it's not. It's ours, and we take it, and God's like, just, just you're going to see, because it is mine, because this kingdom lasts forever and ever. It will rule and away in the heavens and the earth. It'll pass away, but he will continue as the king. We are just stewards. The mystery that Christ would choose to use us, the mystery of the cross, the mystery of the kingdom that is here and is yet to come. And the seeds that get planted, it's this word that produces a crop that will affect generations. Generations after generations for this age and the age to come. I'm ask the worship team to come on up. I'm ask you to stand to your feet. I wanna ask you, again, the same question that I asked my daughter when she brought in her homework. Do you think you have the volume figured out? Do you think that you could calculate the length, the width, the depth, the height of the love of Christ? How do you calculate the effects of your life when you submit them to the king and his rule and his reign? Because when you do, it's simply a math problem that doesn't add up. It's 30-fold, it's 60-fold, it's 100-fold. It's eternal and it's everlasting to all generations. Behold, stand at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly ways, ask for the ancient paths, and walk in those that they will be rest for your soul. Let's pray. any area in which we've tried to play the king, any area in which we've tried to set up our own rule and our own authority, God, we just submit that to you, God. Bring it into our minds right now. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, we pray for your kingdom over our bodies because you produce a healing that the doctors say is impossible. You produce fruit in our life when the doctor says there is none. You take this angry man and make him patient. You take this spirit that's full of greed and make him generous. You take this life that's full of worry and fear and doubt and give it rest and peace. Take that husband that has the weight of the world on his shoulders and he comes to you, Jesus, and finds that your yoke is easy and your burden is light and it's no longer his kingdom, 
but yours. May our roots go deep in you this morning, God. As the sun gets hotter, may we find our way deep in you. The persecutions of this world will have its hold on us no more. But we'll be able to sing in the jail cell. The things of this world that tempted us have tried to choke us out, Lord, I ask that you just bring that to our memories right now. That we would dethrone them and we'd be able to breathe again. Come, Holy Spirit. And for this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Holy Spirit, I just pray at this moment, fall in this place. We're your children, and we need you. We submit to your rule and your reign and your authority. Oh, just to be like you, to know you, God. Oh, to know you. The power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. You're in the house this morning and you don't know him. May today be the day of your salvation. He loves you. He ain't mad at you. My son, my daughter, come on in. Let me be the king. Let me rule. Let me reign. He's the one you've been searching for. That hole in your heart, you tried to fill it with a million different things. It's a hole that's so big, only Jesus can fill. If that's you and you're in the room, I just want you to put your hands real high in the air and keep them up there where I can see them. Is there anyone real high where I can see? I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, I'm going to ask everyone to pray after me. Lord Jesus. God, I surrender. I am yours. You are mine. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Amen. God, has have something in the house this morning. Hey, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, 
Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.